0: It's time for Running Building the Game, the building game, the game with, with Jason, Jason and friends, for tabletop game Building the Jason and friends, it's at the end of the episode, that's when it technically technical ends. ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, August 17th, and you're listening to episode 429. As always, I'm your host, Jason, joined once again by one of my three favorite co-hosts in the whole world. Julio, hey pal, how you doing? Hey Jason, I'm I'm doing I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Doing pretty well too. Um, I had something cool happen today. It started okay, what's that that I went to Target, and I bought oh. a and I bought a game. I actually bought two games. <laughs> the first game I bought was really? was was Back to the Future: Dice Through Time. Uh, but okay. the second game I bought just as enthusiastically to be clear uh was control and wow oh, shoot uh that uh so first of all uh my kids don't even care that it's a game they think it's the coolest toy in the world <laughs> so there's that awesome uh but uh, yeah it's one of those things with uh with that specific
1: game that you if you don't you know if you don't like the game and I don't fault you for it you, it can be a
0: toy easily <laughs> right right yeah I opened it up because I really was so excited to see what it looked like on the inside um, just because I, I you know I've seen the videos and stuff and the production quality is amazing um, but uh, yeah it looks really good the it, it's it's a really good tactile feeling as you put it together uh, hence the fact that the kids started playing with it immediately. Um, <laughs> but i can't wait to actually play a game of it and uh i was too uh you know i read through the rules everything is really easy to understand um the two player variant looks really solid and really interesting uh so i was excited about that cuz obviously uh two players is something my wife and i play quite a bit especially right now so yeah but congrats yeah, man yeah and
1: and 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 that goes uh, the two player variant goes uh thanks to uh john Our friend John Gilmore, he was the developer at the time for the game, and and he developed that two-player variant for control. Yeah, originally it was just you get each, like like normal, two, three, four played with one set of cubes, but I really liked it as well how it played with two players, you know, trying to figure out which color the other player is trying to score. It's a pretty pretty cool way of doing it
0: yep it was in those cards there so there's four cards for anybody who hasn't seen the game one with each color cube on it um so it's really cool because uh for a standard game you can just put the card face up in front of you to signify what color you are uh but in the uh two-player variant uh each player plays as two colors uh, but you randomly draw one of those two cards at the beginning of the game. You look at it, but don't show your opponent, and that is the only color you score at the end of the game. And uh, yeah, that adds a whole layer of deduction to it that really makes the two-player game very, very thinky, I, I would expect.
1: <laughs> well, let me know how it goes when you when you do play. I'm excited to find out. There's been uh, uh, some some good feedback on it, some negative as well. But uh, that's just uh, part of it. So hopefully people will keep playing and and enjoying the game and at least uh, pushing their their mental capacity, in a sense, (laughs) thinking a different way. That's definitely one thing that it's been all around the board that it's definitely a different way to play, and and I definitely like
0: that. For sure.
1: So... For me, obviously, with uh, all the. By the way, I still haven't been to Target, so I haven't seen the game at Target oh, yet. Oh no! A lot of people have. <laughs> A lot of people have shared the photos of the game and stuff like that, so it obviously gets me really excited. But I haven't been to Target because you know I. There's really not besides that. So when I do go, hopefully I'll, I'll I will see it and 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 that'll be exciting as well there, but. For me, I mean, it's been a a little over a month since we last spoke. So a lot of stuff has happened. Um, Most recently, I got some family. My sister, who lives in North Carolina as well, visited me with her family. She has three kids, uh, 16, 13, and 7. So obviously, I took the advantage of that and started playtesting (laughs) a couple of my games. Of course. Uh, (laughs) Yes, yes. So, so I I play tested some some games, and that was a lot of fun. And and again, the little one uh, last time we spoke, not last time, one of the times that we spoke, she loved the coconuts game. Oh, great! Uh, my Korea board games design game. And she always wants to bring that one out. So I'm at that point where, like, let's play something else. You want to play something published? I don't want to play that game. (laughs)
0: Right, right, right. That's fair.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because in a sense, I mean, it's awesome that she loves it and she wants to keep playing it. But it's a little frustrating on my part because it's like, well, what should I do with this game? It kind of keeps coming out that way. And and we talked about me uh, re-theming the game to more of of a castle theme, which is funny because... There's there was a game on Kickstarter recently called uh, Yes, um, Catapult Kingdoms or something. And yep. It, yep. It, <laughs> so I saw that and I'm like, well, that's that, but it's obviously a very uh, different <laughs> game, but it uses a right. catapult uh, type deal. So anyway, that's uh, I, I played some games and I played another new design that I've been working on because I uh, paid for a ticket for an online pitching convention called Mojo Pitch. This is a convention that's usually based in the UK, and it focuses on pitching to mass market publishers.
0: Oh, wow. Um, nice.
1: Yeah, so at the time I was, when we last spoke, I was considering it because the the ticket was was actually $230-something something dollars Wowza. Um, Yes. So, but the thing about this specific uh, convention is that it's so well organized to the fact that, I mean, you've got over 30 publishers, including Mattel, Hasbro, and many others. Uh, and, And they basically, when you do pay the ticket, they send you a wish list for all the publishers, what they're currently looking for. And for some, you even have to sign NDAs. And they may and you decide which publishers you want to pitch to and they make your schedule based on your time zone. Because one of the cool things about Mass Market Publishers is that they have offices all around the world. So it's a three day convention that happens twenty four seven to oh, all wow. twenty four hours. Very cool. People are, are pitching games to those publishers. And, of course, I analyzed a lot of the games that I have have uh, completed or, you know, I have on the shelf uh, that are on the mass market side. And it turns out that I have quite a, a couple. Um, so I, I kind of, based on that, I decided, okay, I think this would be a good opportunity, especially since it's mainly uh, online. Uh, I think it's going to be a good opportunity to do so. And that's one of exciting. the publishers that's, that was in the in the list was Rubik's, and I've had an idea for a, ru- a game that uses a Rubik's cube for a while, so I decided to follow up on that, and I and I uh, designed a game called Rubik's Adventure, um, and it's essentially a game that you're using a Rubik's cube as your resource uh, management system, but it, that affects all players, so. Uh, it came together pretty quickly. Again, I play-tested it some, and it, it had some, some things I had to work through, but uh, it's uh, one that I'm looking to pitch for sure. Uh, but that was one of the you know, the big things between uh, the last month. And, of course, I, I submitted the Game Card Venture to the Bot and Shy 18-card uh, challenge, and I still haven't heard anything back from the Korea Board Games Design Challenge that sh- that uh, should be announced at uh, the end of August. Um, and I also ha- was part of a couple of pitching events <laughs> for um, uh, Asthma Day. They had like a three day thing. I have pitched to an Asthma representative in the past, so they contacted me uh, and and invited me to that thing. And I pitched ten games in in one hour. Wow. over a uh, tabletop simulator over a camera setup and and they were interested in three of the games so i sent those on uh so hopefully we'll see what happens there
0: awesome awesome that is good stuff uh, i can give a little update too if that's all right or you have more <laughs> no 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 i mean go
1: ahead i don't no, want to so, mobilize well, the conversation here.
0: well congrats on all that that's awesome uh, for me, as of late, um, we, uh, myself and Banana have been pitching some different stuff, working on some stuff together as well. Uh, we've got a mass market game we're trying to get out uh, to a publisher. Uh, we had thought maybe we were going to move forward in one direction with that. We decided not to. Um, and then we've been working uh, on another project uh, that I've talked about on the show before, but I'm not going to mention um, where we're attempting to partner with somebody else to work on that. And we're really, really excited about that. Um, I've got uh, a larger publisher who is interested in uh, a game that I designed, um, a kid's game that I designed, and then a kid's game uh, that I'm co-designing uh, with Jason Katarski. I uh, started out as a game he had, oh. and now we're tweaking it. Um, so I- I'm super stoked about that. That won't be one that I'll really know what's going to happen, and if it's going to happen for quite a while, but if it does, that'd be real exciting. So I'm um, fingers crossed on that. Of course. Um, and then awesome. I finally was able to get a good playtest in of my game, Opposite is Opposite. Um, oh, and, look at, uh, uh, how did that go? Yeah. And I just did that yesterday, actually. And uh, it was a hit. Uh, everybody really liked it. Uh, it was really exciting. Yeah. Um, the uh, I've been so I've been play testing that as in I've been uh, I put out a list of words and that I've been having people write the op- a word that they think is the opposite word to that word um, and of course all of the words do not have obvious opposites to them which is the idea mm-hmm. um, and yeah. so uh, and that yeah so we got to do the play test it went really well uh, I'm play testing it with another team uh, with actual a te- uh, like a work team of people uh, from a company. On Friday morning. Or so I would have just tested it um, when you hear this episode. I'll already have done that. Uh, but I'm really excited with them because we're doing it all over Zoom, obviously, for now. Uh, but it's, uh, it's exciting because um, people are really digging it. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm just trying to uh, plug away at some stuff here. I'm looking forward to when school starts uh, because uh, at that point, I mentioned in the show, we're building an office in the house for me. Uh, and for all my yeah. work that I do uh, between the coaching and the game design stuff. Um, so that is probably about uh, halfway done. I'm hoping in the next two weeks it'll be complete and I can move in there and get Kraken. Uh, and then once school starts, we'll have a, a tutor here with the kids uh, working them through online school and I'm going to be able to uh, get a lot more work done. So I'm pretty stoked <laughs> about that. Oh, and then then uh, the other big thing... And, uh, Julio, I'll have to, sorry builders, but Julio, I'll have to send you the artwork. Um, uh, so I am working on a game, uh, with, uh, an artist and, uh, yeah. I'm really stoked about it and we are going to publish it. Um, hopefully you'll hear more about it in the next several months uh i wouldn't expect who's we the uh, designer who's i we? No, i'm the designer um and then uh, okay. the artist is corinne roberts um who is my oh. favorite artist who i've used for stuff and we're we're partnering on a project um but i'm not going to say anything else about it uh because we agreed not to <laughs> but uh but i've seen quite a bit of the artwork uh so far uh and it's been amazing so julio i'll i'll i'll, I'll give you a sneak peek uh, builders, at some point when we're ready to announce more, we'll definitely give a sneak peek of it, um, but I wouldn't expect that to hit any form of kickstart or anything for several, several months just because uh, it's not the type of game that I would want to try and kickstart right now.
1: <laughs> so, Well, Builders, don't worry about it because once the cat's out of the bag, he won't stop talking about it and then you want him to stop. So.
0: <laughs> it- Yes, yes. So, no, no. And normally with, with projects, I don't mind talking about stuff. It's just, um, you know, and, and as you know now too, like certain publishers and certain projects, we just, we can't talk about. And that's been, that's been really weird for me. Because at first it was like most of the publishers that were like, say whatever you want. I don't care. Um, you know, people like Katarski and Mark and things like that, they were fine with that. And um, yeah. And I got to do a bunch of development with Elf Creek of late on... Uh, my game that they're working on and I'm really excited with the work they're doing development wise with it and we've made some really good progress uh to make this uh super fun and uh that one is up to them as to when we announce it uh I sure hope we announce it in the not too distant future but I don't know uh because obviously uh the pandemic uh screwed up all the scheduling for that
1: um but that's okay well it's good that you mentioned that because uh as builders probably know or they may not know Gen Con online uh, happened uh, a couple weeks ago from uh, at this point I guess it was two weeks ago and and I actually was on the BGG live stream showing off control where I actually played it with uh, with uh, uh, Eric Martin uh, from Morgan geek and cool. we, we actually so he had his own cube and I have my own and we replayed each other's uh, turns to make it work and it actually worked fairly well so so we did that, Great. and and I and we and I also uh, was part of the demo team de- demoing uh, Holy Festival of Colors from Floodgate. Um and that one man I'm I'm very excited about that game. It's it's at a it's probably the best game it's ever been uh, published ever on it has been.
0: <laughs> well,
1: you know, at, at, the, I mean, at the version maybe, of right? the development of the game. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> the game is is awesome i mean i'm i'm very happy with it ben harkins from floodgate has done a fantastic job on it and that game is slated for uh november of 2020 so we'll see how, how that goes so I'm, I'm definitely excited about that one too
0: awesome awesome awesome
1: so you're ready to uh Talk about a topic.
0: Let's talk about a topic. You've got a good topic here that correlates with one of (laughs) the topics we talked about recently with you and I. So, this is like part two discussion.
1: Yeah. So this is the so the topic uh, Jason is referring to builders is the one we talked about conventions and the cost of them, Uh, and and I basically went through my spreadsheet of costs uh, on going to conventions and lodging and all that. And I had mentioned that there's a lot of costs also involved with the design part of it. Of course, this is building the game. So designing games is what we do. And what is the cost associated with that? Um, and the reason why I'm, I'm going with this because I just celebrated my, my third year of being a, a, a designer. And so I have three years worth of data from where I, when I started until now. Um, so I started in July of 2017, and and I've just I, I just said, well, Jason, I think uh, talking about the design costs and going with numbers, uh, I think it would be a good reference for new designers and designers have been that have been doing it for a while as well, just for comparison's sake. Um, right. W- what are your thoughts on this?
0: Yeah. So obviously, just to just to kind of explain the idea here, it's. You know, there are a lot of design costs related to conventions, but what you're referring to specifically is the cost of what it takes us to make prototypes, to have the tools we need to design games, um, that sort of thing, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Design, pitch, or just work on designs or build designs, anything related to, to your prototypes or multiple designs or pitching or or even sometimes working on polishing, even though I yep. haven't, but I know you have, so you can probably help on that front absolutely so for the let me start off with startup costs uh and and I had uh on my twenty twenty seventeen I just used startup costs as that those first six months of designing, and as a as a reference. Startup costs for me, where and I'm for for conversation's sake, I'm just gonna round up uh, all all numbers to the nearest dollar, so I don't have to say cents or anything. I want but the change, I, I man. Do track.
0: I, I, I gotta know those cents.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's it's too much words. Too much. Agreed. Words. Agreed. Uh, so so for me and startup costs for that first six months, I spent a thousand and fifty eight dollars, and what did that entail? So the first item that I have, and this is probably one that many builders or de- and designers have had as well, is the thousand cube uh, tub, the one that has a hundred cubes of ten different colors, and and that was about twenty five dollars that I spent uh, on that, and that was kind of the first one that involved any any type of uh, component for for games, and then. I, I spent $6 in in card sleeves. So, s- sleeves is something that is obviously very useful for for any cards that you prototype. If you go with card stock, you can just put it on sleeves and it's easier to shuffle and stuff like that. I usually go with transparent penny sleeves because I like to, to mess around with the back of cards and use them in multiple ways as well. So that's $7, and that was probably uh, 600 uh, sleeves because penny sleeves are usually a $1 dollar for 100 of them. Um, and, and just so you all know, for reference, uh, I subdivide my expenses into categories. And right now I'm going through what's ma- what will be called materials. So again, the cubes are materials, the sleeves are materials, the next one is wooden components. Which that was like twelve dollars. I don't even remember what that was. And the big one was Game Crafter pieces. So Game Crafter was a really good resource starting out. So so I I put in a uh, hundred and twenty dollars in Game Crafter pieces because at the time I you know I I, I thought that it had a, a lot of really good pieces. And this is the place where I got a lot of my empty boxes. As you all know, I like to, uh, I like to use boxes as, as, a, uh, as the main component for my designs sometimes. And at the time, Gamecrafter had these, they called them classic or legacy boxes, the ones that were facing out from their new ones. And they were selling these 10x10 and 12x12 boxes at less than, uh, I think it was less than $3 each. Wow yeah so it was basically it was a steal so uh, at the time i probably bought like four of each and what since i was in tennessee the shipping was actually pretty affordable as well so it was a a good deal on that part and that was basically the my materials cost for 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 that first year Uh, the next category is equipment so what do i need to be able to to make my prototypes um and for this one, uh, the first one that I bought was a printer. I went with an inkjet, pr- inkjet printer, and this was again three years ago, and I still have the same printer. I know laserjet printers are much better, and I would like to invest one at some point. But the inkjet printer is working well, and and I'm still going for that. And and that uh, printer was a, uh, it's a Canon Pixma 920. And it cost at the time seventy two dollars, so it's probably cheaper now. Uh, and then ink cartridges for that are actually pretty cheap. And you've talked about this in the past, where you know laser printer cartridges are much more expensive, but they last a long time. So I do. You probably see ink cartridges on my spreadsheet a lot throughout these next couple months. But this <laughs> right, first right. investment. This first investment was like six packs of, of sets of cartridges for $35. So that whole set was uh, over a little over $100. And then I got little things like the Gidget Team Paper Cutter. So there's another one that it was $20, including shipping on eBay. So I got a really cheap one because, again, at the time, I didn't know how much I was going to be using it. The funny thing is that I'm still using the same one. It is definitely not the best, but it uh, I it, it still works and i'm the kind of guy that hey if something still works i'm not gonna buy a new one just because <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of the the initial ones and of course there's like travel for conventions and stuff like that and we already talked about that so that was kind of the the initial investment for for my designs w- what are your thoughts on this how, how did you because for you of course how long have you been designing jason
0: yeah, so I've been designing for uh, eight years now, or almost uh, n- almost nine years. Um, so you know, for me, it was it was this. I mean, like you're checking a lot of boxes. I had right now. I mean, I've gone now through three of those tubs of cubes, those thousand cubes, um, since I started <laughs> designing, um, and uh, and like yeah, I've uh, I bought like so. Uh, here's the thing: when I started, I was buying things in small amounts, right? Because I was new at it. Okay. I didn't know how much I was going to do it. So I would buy like, I would go to Gen Con and I'd just buy some cubes and things like that. And you know, Oh, and I've got this. And, um, and I started designing not too long before I went to Gen Con for the, like before I went to Gen Con, uh, that year. So I was able to pick up a ton of stuff at Gen Con. Right. And I, of course I overpaid for all of it and didn't get that much. Now I've switched to really buying in bulk for everything. Um, I buy boxes in bulk, uh, I buy um, uh, cubes, things like that, in bulk. The one of the big cost savings that John Gilmore actually turned me on to was buying card sleeves in bulk um, through BCW. I think it's BCW, um, and so okay. now I so I spent like two hundred dollars in card sleeves, but they'll last me for two or three years of sending card sleeves to publishers. And I'm so I don't do as much with double sided cards, so I buy a lot of penny sleeves. Uh, that are transparent, but I also buy um, a lot that are just full different. color ones. Yeah, because that way, um, for cardbacks, for me, for cardbacks, I usually like to use multiple kinds of cards to where I need the cardback to look different. But it doesn't really matter what the cardback is. I just need it to be obvious that it's different. Um, so for me, that's been that's been a big saver. I've went through three printers since starting, uh, and I finally you mentioned oh, really? the Canon Pixma. Uh the last one I bought I got on sale was the Canon Pixma Pro one hundred. So it's a professional grade printer. It prints thirteen by seventeen. Um it's been great. Uh actually Nicole and nice. Anthony turned me on to that one. Um and they actually there was a deal where I got hundred and fifty bucks back uh for for buying it. So it ended up being a three hundred fifty dollar printer for two hundred bucks. Um uh, and cool. that was and, that and was I the think deal. you do you mean eleven by seventeen on paper? No, I mean thirteen by seventeen. Really? I yeah, don't know there yeah. were... it prints oh. like super wide. Um it's like the printer is printer's about two and a half, two plus feet long. It's big. Like it it's it's nice. it's, it's yeah. Um and I got it because like I can literally print a board on that, right? Um like a full size board, which is really cool. Um yeah. so so yeah. Um but a lot of the other stuff you're mentioning is all, all the same types of things that I buy. I switched for boxes. Uh, Isaac Shalev taught me about, um, uh, gosh, I always forget the name. It's mailing boxes. Uh, they are for mailing like information pamphlets. What is there's a word every time I can never remember. Literature mailier, mailers. That's what it is. Literature mailier, mailers, um, and they are these foldable boxes. And if you buy them in bulk off Amazon, they're not the it's you pay more because it's in bulk but now i have two different size boxes to last me for probably two plus years uh it's easy to throw a game in those seal it and then just ship it straight to a publisher like with the game right in the box um so that's been really convenient for me sending out more prototypes um other than that bits and pieces for sure
1: so since you're talking about tips one thing that i just glossed over and didn't notice because it's one of those things that i would like to forget is like on that <laughs> first those first 6 months i paid for for printed prototypes on uh makeplayingcards.com my first pro- game uh timber tactics it, it it had these square cards that i actually printed using you know whatever stock card i had and I spent $68 on, on printed cards that I d- just used once that didn't work. And I had to change them. And I never printed any more cards again. Um, yeah. And, of course, the one that is the probably o- always happens for new designers is art. I paid $277 <laughs> yeah. for art for my first prototype, Timber Tactics.
0: Yep, yep that's real dumb i now, did the same thing
1: <laughs> <laughs> and now for this i, I focus on getting a, a cover for the box because i i thought it was going to be useful for when i pitched the publishers to have a nice uh art cover for the game so none of the art was paid for for uh cards or anything of course i i, I the good thing is that I did pay for the art, right? I, I wasn't the, I, at the time I was listening to our podcast and, and it was kind of one of those things, uh, make sure you pay your artists and all that. And I did. Uh, and of course I'm not going to be publishing or anything like that in the near future. So I'm definitely not going to be paying for any art in the near future.
0: So my stance on paying for art for prototypes has, has been ever evolving since I started in the beginning I, having come from a background of making films and things like that and doing a lot of independent stuff, like independent projects where like you put out a product, right, I felt like I needed to be able to show publishers that I was serious, right? and show them something yeah. good. Now I've realized that truthfully, publishers love good graphic design on prototypes, right? Because that just makes mm-hmm. them easy to understand. And I think being a good graphic designer gives you a huge leg up as a designer of games. Um, And if you're going to pay anyone to do anything for your prototypes, pay someone to like make one card for you, like of what it's going to look like, and then just copy that for yourself. Like that's a good investment. Um, But uh, I I still sometimes will like have an artist whip something up if I if I want to have a friend artist do something, and I just want to show like the style of the game. But what I've more switched to myself is. I will make like a simple logo for the game by finding like a custom font. Right. So that when they look at it, they get that feeling just based on like the logo and the title. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's free because you're not publishing it. So I can go to a thousand and one fonts.com comic book, fonts.com blambot, whatever, find that perfect font that really dresses up the cover at no cost. I can do that again because you're not printing it. You can't legally print with those. Um, but so that's something that I do is I make sure that my games always have something interesting on the cover to draw the publisher's eye and to think so that they're like, oh, he put some time into thinking about that without having to pay for art for it, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely uh, agree. Completely agree on that. And, and I mean, like you said, graphic design is definitely king when you want something to look good because it's not just something visual, but it's also something uh, that helps the user interface for for your gameplay
0: a real quick tip on that by the way you don't want to pay graphic designers because you don't have the money you want to do it yourself but you don't have a great eye for it or even if you do have a good eye for it but one idea is a tip Rob Couch always used and I love this and I don't, can't remember if he shared it on the show if he did it was a thousand episodes ago but um, was that whenever somebody would give out free card promo cards at Gen Con he would take it like so a promo card from their game or whatever and he had this stack mm-hmm. of probably a hundred of them And they all had different layouts, different design. And when he was stuck making a card design, he would grab that stack and look through it and find, um, you know, find, uh, yeah, find the one that like, yeah. So it's it's great idea for making prototypes.
1: That's a really good tip. I'm glad Rob is still with us. Uh, spiritually and and giving out tips with, st- when he's still not here and he's still alive, <laughs> just builders, just by the way. Yeah,
0: Rob did not <laughs> die. To be clear, Rob is fine. Just recently, I sent him a potato. It was good. It's all good. So,
1: <laughs> so now, after that first six months, I I you know I really got into design, and this is where things picked up. And and you know on this next year, my my first full year. I went to 12345678 conventions regarding board games. So of course I already talked about those expensive so I won't be talking about those. However, design-wise um cost design-wise and this is including uh uh conventions and stuff, it was $5500, okay? So Whoa. I'm just looking at those numbers and I'm like man that's a lot of money to spend on on board game related stuff because again like we talked about last time a lot of that chunk is conventions because lodging and and convention tickets and travel and all that that takes a lot of that chunk but also a lot of that chunk goes to design so in materials on this is 2018 i spent five hundred and twenty two dollars on oh, okay. materials.
0: I misheard you. I Just thought you materials. said you spent five thousand on materials, and I was like, Do you realize no, 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 what no, we no. get it's... paid as game designers? Because you're gonna lose money forever. <laughs> I get you. No, now. no. This it, it was fifty five hundred <laughs> total. Again, yeah. total
1: for the year on everything. Yeah. That's it, probably uh, in line
0: with where I am too, but yes, the not on components. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So what was different
1: this year is that I started buying specific types of components for designs that I that I had ideas for. Right. So in this one you specifically see I spent $27 on snap blocks. So snap blocks are actually the blocks that I use for my prototype for control. Right, yeah. So my that's all those things my,
0: I When my kids saw the game they're like these are connecting cubes dad. i was like that's probably that's what Julio <laughs> used when he was working. Yeah. Yeah, when I had the idea,
1: I'm like, there should be something like that online. And I searched and I found it. So that was that expense right there. I also spent uh, $19 in magnetic components and $30 in mirror and light components. So here's another tip. Make sure that you research an idea before you buy components for that idea. Because this was one of those that I had the idea for using mirrors and light. To, to make a design and I just as fast bought a lot of components for that and then I searched and I found that there's Mirror, uh, uh, mirror Chess or uh, KET, that game that uses laser pointers with mirrors kind of yeah, like yep. a, 2D, uh, a two player abstract and when I saw that I'm like that's very similar to what I was thinking so obviously you could still go different ways with the design, but I was definitely man. I, and I still haven't used those components yet. Which is not necessarily true. I actually use the laser component the lasers for my to play with my dog. She loves laser pointers. <laughs> <laughs> now, gamecrafter pieces. I still use K Infractor for this and I spent $236 on Game Crafter. Uh, so, so again, it it is, it was still very useful. I probably bought a lot more boxes and, uh, I think it was definitely worth it. It's one of those that there's always room to, to have these components, to use it in a future design. So there's a lot of things that I, if I come to it, I'll tell you if there's an expense besides the art, like I said earlier, that I thought it was, uh, I shouldn't have spent it at the time. But besides all those, there's a couple of others, uh, components for materials, but let's go now to equipment. So this is where I started getting other pieces of equipment that I thought were going to be useful. And this is the cutting mat with an exacto knife. Yeah. The cutting mat was $17 and the exacto knives with uh, the blades was $17. So $34 for just that set. And that's what I use to cut my cardboard to make all my 3d components and stuff like that. And, of course, the cardboard is one of those components that I used at the time. And that was basically free because you get a lot of boxes in the house and you can use those to make components. Yep. Now, the next one, and this is a fun a uh, fun one because I've been using my personal computer to, to do all this. So I, I charge here a computer fix. So I remember that computer, something happened uh, and I had to take it to get it fixed. So I charged that, that was like $17. So it wasn't really that big a deal. And I got like a, like a new mouse as well, because I was, I was kind of getting at the time changing from a normal, uh, mouse to a, to a trackball mouse. I use a trackball mouse for work and I bought an extra one for my design. Cause it's just more, it, it's, I think it's better for, for your wrist and stuff like that to just use your thumb to move a mouse. And the big one that I didn't do a single expense last, the, for, for my startup was shipping. And the reason for this is because you can start seeing that I was starting to pitch games and sending it to publishers. And shipping is going to be one of those expenses that as you start pitching more and people get interested, you're going to start spending more. And I spent on 2018 $197 in shipping for shipping prototypes.
0: That's actually... I mean, that's not terrible, especially for how big some Again, of your games are. Well, that's the
1: thing. Again, remember, this is the first
0: year that I'm
1: doing full-time, or I guess full-time partial game designing. So as when I go to 2019, and I can just do, tell you right now, in 2019, I spent $270 in shipping, and in 2020, so far... Where in August, I spent $380 in shipping. Yeah. Wow. So what are your thoughts here?
0: Yeah. I mean, those are all the same types of things I'm spending money on, right? Uh, Shipping is one that I I haven't had to do as much. Um, A lot of my games are smaller. So a lot of times I have publishers say, oh, don't ship it to me. I'll just do a print and play, Um, which, you know, is on one hand is fine, uh, and am very generous of them. But on the other hand, it always worries me that like, are they going to do that? And, you know, most of the yeah. time they do um, as much as I think they would play a physical prototype. Uh, but, you know, I've worked with some publishers in some other countries to where they're like, please don't ship it to me. It's going to cost you so much money. Uh, but when I have had to ship the games, my games are usually much, much smaller. And in those literature mailers that I send out, it's pretty it's pretty cheap for me to send it. They send for maybe five bucks a piece. Um, so yeah, yeah. I try to, uh, I try to do that as sparingly as possible. Also been able to pitch some games online to people. And, um, also with some of the party game stuff I've been pitching publishers haven't wanted a copy. They've, you know, we, even the publishers that have been interested in signing it or even made offers have done that based on seeing it, how it would work with a video and having us explain it and show them some of the assets um and in them wanting the game that way without actually having to play it, um. So, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, of course, uh, uh the, the the publishers work different ways, and I think they definitely have that that eye for things that they think they can work with their company or not. And like you were saying, the the simpler it is product wise, the game to make is it's not like they're gonna be. Uh, considering stuff like that for me, like you were saying, I have a lot of physicality in my components and that obviously hurts when it comes to shipping because has to I have to ship uh, bigger boxes and I also like to for some reason or another, I like to pitch to international publishers and that is <laughs> you <definitely>, sure do <laughs> that is definitely a pain there, but I think it's one of those no pain, no gain, so hopefully that'll pay off. Um, I know we're kind of running out of time, but, uh, 2019 is interesting because this is where I start, um, getting some, some kind of different types of equipment, uh, for myself, uh, 2019 and 2020. Uh, and this is including, oh, one thing I didn't mention in the last previous years is that I also had a category for miscellaneous expenses, uh, and I have stuff here like bank charges because uh, I have a bank account for my game design. Uh, I don't like to merge my personal expenses to game design, so I make sure those are separate so I can Same. follow up to all these expenses and I and I put it when I do my taxes and all that. Um Contest submission fees is a miscellaneous charge. Uh, charge, you know, with a cardboard Edison Award and a lot of some contests, you you can do a, a submission fee like ten dollars and so on. That was twenty two dollars there. Books, uh, I put books as well, and that was fifty dollars. And and for stuff like uh, Borgen design advice from the best in the world from Gabe Barrett Borgen Design Lab, I remember that I bought that. Now this is one that was. These were two big expenses that were really one of those that i'm glad that i did it because i definitely needed it and it was a storage cabinet because i was uh i had bought some storage cases for my design stuff but of course the more i designed the more i had so i bought this cabinet that's like a 30 inch deep and it's uh 60 inch high and four feet wide it's super big uh and that's what i used to store all my design stuff and that was two hundred and seven dollars and then i also bought a drafting table with a desk lamp so i wanted something some an area for me to just work on my designs and and be comfortable doing it because of you know working on the kitchen table and stuff like that works as well uh so that was uh but this one is one of those that it's my my workspace right and and it's nice to have that And, and that drafting table is one of these that you adjust uh both in angle and in height so that was $196. So these are expenses that obviously design-wise they're they're not really uh important but at the same time they facilitate your design. So it it just helps you do be faster and and I think in a sense do better because of being comfortable and and all that.
0: Oh, absolutely. I I mean, so this year for me the biggest expense is, you know, you you said you got a storage cabinet, so I'm building the office um. So, which pretty much covers all the travel I didn't do, uh, this year (laughs) to conventions, but it means that I have a dedicated room to do my work in and, you know, partly being design and the other part being the coaching business. But, um, all of my design stuff will now be in that one space, uh, including things like having a desk with like, you know, I just picked up two really big new monitors so that I can have a really nice space for, for videos and pitching to publishers, um, with a dedicated like webcam with a light and stuff you know to it really have a nice spot for that um, and then also get, I'm going to get a dedicated table that I can sit at with my you know just wheel my chair over and I'll be able to work at a table as well instead of trying to do stuff either at my desk or the kitchen table which is the same thing I do and I hate it because um, my desk is not conducive for design work my, unless I'm using the computer and then it's great um, but if not, you know, I, I want a, I want like a nice table. A drafting table actually sounds like a smart idea um, that I can, you know, use either for design work or to sit at and, and play a prototype with someone uh, when we're allowed to have people around again. So, so yeah, no. <laughs> yes. I creating that correct space to design in is it's not everyone's going to be able to do it, but when you can, it really will help you make make you more productive. If you're the type of person that needs that, right? Like, I can't just sit out in the in the room with everybody else around and design and um, like I need to have like like time yeah. to myself to really focus on stuff um, so this is a huge step for me in that I mostly when it comes to storage and stuff I've repurposed things like we had an old cabinet that we used for like a liquor cabinet um, that's nice <laughs> and decent size and, um, and it was mo- <laughs> funny thing we like I've never been big drinkers so it would be like the teeniest amount of liquor and then like four million bar glasses um that we just inherited <laughs> over the years with like nothing to drink out of them so i got rid of all those and now we're down to just um having uh you know that cabinet is where i store most of my components in like stackable uh bins and um okay. so that'll move into my office and then we're build doing a big built-in sh- like um shelf where i can store a ton of all basically everything else game design related, and then I'll have a place to show, store all my shipping stuff and things like that. Um, so speaking of that, I'll definitely uh, I'll definitely make a video and post it to our site uh, once that office is done to kind of show our workshop. Probably we should all do that a bit. I think that'd be pretty cool, you know? At least you and I. I feel like Katarski – no, Katarski has like a sweet place where he hangs out and works on stuff <laughs> in his basement with lots of wrestling action figures – um, and I don't know what Nicole's specific setup is. Uh, so that would be good. We could do that now, show some stuff.
1: For me, that obviously is going to change space-wise because with the baby coming, it's definitely things are going to be changing. I understand that. So... Hopefully, I'll still have a little corner space where yeah, I can yeah. do my design stuff. But one, important, one interesting thing here, Jason, is that 2018 and 2019 were the first two years that were full design, right? So, I, I mentioned that my full uh, expenses for 2018 were 5500 And in 2019, was actually $5,525. So, wow. I spent basically the same on both years. I just kind of shifted my funds into different things. Um, Right. And a couple of things on materials in 2019 that I kind of started, I can see my shift in how I started doing my designs is I spent $50 in poster board. I was using a lot of cardboard, but I noticed that using poster board is easier to cut and it makes it easier for my custom components. And I also spent $195 in Etsy components. And these are components that I kind of look for specific artists that can do specific things. And I ask for custom components to be done. That's cool. Um, That's cool. Which is something that, in a sense, it hasn't paid out as much. As because especially with, uh, I mentioned earlier, with doing art, custom art for your games and stuff like that. It kind of works the same way. Because if you if it doesn't work the first time and you have to do a, 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 a another iteration, you have to pay again for a new iteration of these custom components. So, it can get expensive real quick on that. And, okay, so the last one is obviously 2020, which is a very special one because things are all over the place regarding how there's not as much travel. So, I can totally see how I've been shifting my expenses into something else. Uh, Because as of now, it's August, and I've spent uh, $2,600. So I'm basically halfway the year and I've spent you know half half of what I've normally spent on, on my normal design years. So the big things here that I know I spent is uh, going back to my office. I bought myself uh, an office share because I was using just like a hard share. So being more comfortable, I got myself a more comfortable share. So another thing that's not really that important, but it does help. And one important thing that I bought was a new laptop and I I went with something because I'm not I, I wanted something that because I don't play games on laptops so I wanted something that was powerful but still more of a something light so I got an LG gram and this is actually a, a 17 inch computer so I wanted a big screen and this was a thousand and twenty one dollars so it wasn't really that expensive and it's like an i7 core and and uh one gigabyte of of Solid State Drive, so it's a good computer. But it's one that one thing that the computer that I've been using I've had since college. So 2015 was when I bought that computer, and it had six years, and it was definitely not working as well as I wanted it to be. It was super slow, and sometimes it just died on me. So it was one of those things that I wanted to make sure to get something new before I definitely needed or lost any any data using the old computer. And, and as I've mentioned with uh, the builders, I bought myself a 3D printer, uh, that Creality Ender Pro. That was $204, and, and I think it's one of the best things that I've done because it's funny. You see that I bought that 3D printer, and anything in materials now went to filament. So I'm using basically right. all, the, all, all, all my filament, it, it, all my uh, components are doing, I make it myself now. So it is interesting how that has changed. And then of course I got like the tabletop simulator software and and some other stuff that could an external hard drive. So I kind of focused on the digital part of design to to offset that. And of course, tabletop simulator, I bought it at full price, which was $22 with tax. Uh, so so you can see that things have changed this year, but I'm still spending more or less the same because I still want to make my designs better in a sense. Right. And that uh, focusing on three D printing and digital pitching, digital design, and stuff like that. So, so that's kind of a good uh, overview there. Uh, of course, shipping. Like I said, I spent three hundred and eighty dollars this year on shipping because I'm not going to conventions, right? Right. So I right. got pitch. Uh, I'm still pitching more or less the same, I think. And and uh, of course, I got to send those prototypes to publishers. So I I, I got to do it that way.
0: It is, it is funny because this year I had a seven-year-old Mac that I replaced with a new MacBook Pro. Uh, and I had a really crappy old chair that I replaced with a very expensive new chair. Uh, I, I, I spent like $300 on this office chair. It was a $500 chair. It was on sale. And I'll tell you what, it's the best money I've ever spent in my life because... I'm so much more comfortable when I'm sitting at the computer working than I literally have ever been in my entire life even with like the super nice chairs I used to have at my old office like when I worked at a at a company they had really nice chairs and this is way better than that uh so yeah and we're in, not getting I'm, any younger No, I know, right? My <laughs> back feels so much better now. <laughs> So, so that's just a,
1: a an overview of kind of expenses design-wise. And, of course, builders. There's, there's definitely way – some of these expenses are not necessary. Some, there's probably cheaper ways of doing it. This is just kind of my way of doing things. And, of course, yeah. that will change as time goes on because I'm still new at this. So there's probably a couple of things that I should be saving some money on. But maybe if somebody has some tips regarding shipping internationally that I can – work with because that's obviously seems like it's a it's an expense that just keeps getting more expensive so yeah i think this was a good one Daisy.
0: yeah no i'm I'm happy with this discussion as well it's always nice to hear what another designer is is blowing their money on you know just like you (laughs) (laughs) no i mean it's all it's just it's cool to see where we align and where we don't right we're like oh we're spending money on this thing together like you know, like the 3D printer, like that's a great investment for you. That would be a horrible investment for me because with the time I have, I'm better off buying the components I need because most of them are not custom. Um, whereas you can make all the stuff for yourself now. And for you, that was an awesome buy. Like you said, probably one of the best things you ever bought for me, that'd be a waste of money, uh, with how much I would actually need to use it. Um, so it's, but you know, there are a lot of similarities, I think in the way we do things and, yeah and that's so it's always it's always nice to hear the the similarities and the differences you uh so I'm just
1: gonna I just want to open this up to to the builders out there if there's a specific expense that you can't live without and we didn't mention make sure to share it with us because it's always good to see and consider what other yes. stuff I think can benefit our design that'd be cool absolutely so you think I have time to pitch a game
0: yeah go for it.
1: So last time I was in, I mentioned the Game Card Venture, which was my my submission for the 18-card challenge. So I I usually talk about all my physical designs, and of course this is an 18-card challenge that I couldn't use any tokens, I couldn't rip cards, and this was for a worker placement challenge. So in Card Venture, players are using six workers, six cards, that each worker has a different affinity. There's six affinities, fire, water, earth uh air uh dark and light now the cool thing is that i make of course multiple use cards and that the workers were actually divided into four four different sides so you had two sides on on each side of the card the way that they worked is that they actually leveled up throughout the game so they started at level one and then as they defeated monsters they would rotate to level two flip to level three and they rotate again to level four and you could eventually retire them to go back to level one, so it's it was kind of some a uh, nice little using those workers to to and making them better throughout the game. The other cool thing is that in this game you 're using uh money to recruit mo- uh, the different workers, so the workers don 't usually uh, belong to one person once you put them on the board. You will. You can pay money to recruit them, so somebody else can recruit a, a worker that you just placed. And the objective of this game is that you're sending out adventurers to clear out the nearby forest. And the forest is a board that's made out of six cards. So I made a, a each card be a two by three grid. So when you put them together in a two by three grid, they actually made uh, as a whole a thirty six. I'm uh, uh, sorry, a six by six grid. So a six space board. And and in this different cards, what makes it interesting, of course, as you shuffle the cards and place them on the board, the board is always going to have a different configuration. And the spaces on the board have different monsters and the monsters go from one to four on the, and they're different colors. So, of course, as you place them, the level of the adventure represents two things. The attack and the reach of the adventurer. And when I say reach, is that this is another thing, since I couldn't use tokens, is that the reach of the adventurer is an area of effect, not a linear, uh, uh, I guess, direction that the adventurer goes. And the area of effect is basically, you know, if it's one, it's just the space in front of you. But if it's a two, it takes the space and then the space adjacent to that space. So, of course... When you go to one, is very limited. And to four, you get a lot of area that you can go over. Mm-hmm. And then the adventurers uh, can defeat monsters of the same level if they have the same affinity. And you can defeat any monsters that are below the, your level of different affinities. So it's about figuring out what's the best placement to place your adventurer and gain coins that way. Because obviously, you want to gain coins back so you can recruit adventurers back. And ultimately... The basically, the cards when all three monsters on a card are defeated, the cards are called forest section cards. You will flip the card, and that'll be a dark side of the forest. And those are the stronger monsters there. And once all three mm-hmm. of those are defeated, the player that dealt the finishing blow collects the card, and that's a point. Uh, and basically, when all th- all cards are collected, which means that the forest has been cleared, the player with the most points wins. And there's three cards left. Because there's six for workers, six for the map, uh, three for counting your points, your, I'm sorry, your coins. And that is uh, uh, one card that you can rotate and flip in four directions so you can collect seven coins. So it's, you know, every edge of the card is one coin. Right, right. Um, and then the other three are for achievements. So there's, again, three cards that are double-sided and on each side so it has four achievements on each card that you will shuffle and place on the top of the of the board and that determines the three achievements for the game and those are points as well so there's nine points total and whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins and this is a one to three player and it plays in in
0: 30 minutes well I am I am impressed but not surprised by the number of things you were able to do with 18 cards that as you were explaining that even though i understood how it worked i was like that's there's like 47 cards in this deck <laughs> so <laughs> i'm very impressed at your ability to do that but but like i said not really surprised because uh you definitely have this way of using things in creative ways that i very much appreciate
1: well thank you and and the thing with of course a lot of people call the uh, these eighteen card games and I know Jason Tagmire just calls them eighteen card games and not micro games because there can be a, some heaviness to these games and especially with something worker placement. It usually related to something a little heavier. And the game still plays in thirty minutes, but I think it does have the weight that it's not too much, but at the same time it is enough so people can can feel it's different. Hopefully every game with the different uh achievements and the different layout of the of the map and then the of course the the interaction between the workers how you can recruit them and share them with the other players so it it definitely I'm I will see again uh it's funny because that's uh that that'll be that's in the 18 card challenge but I also pitched it to the Asmodee thing that I talked about and they were interested in seeing that as well so I sent that to Nice. Um, and I I'm just <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna wait and and see how that goes. But again, I I I think it'll just help, especially with an 18 card
0: game. Very much so. I agree. Awesome. Well, hey, we are about out of time here. Uh, this was this was a good discussion. Sounds like a fun game. It was good to actually talk to you again. It's been a while. So yeah. Yeah. Anything you yeah, want to mention before we go here?
1: Um. I, again. Um just uh check if you want to check out a cool game that can be double doubled as a toy check out control in your friendly local game store and 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 target uh 24.95 two to four players yeah and also watch out for holy festival of colors coming out later this year and um i guess um uh, that's that's kind of it of course check out my twitter i will always have some some pictures of the new stuff that i'm working on
0: Awesome. Yeah, no, definitely. Control is an amazing buy and a really, really ridiculously low price for what you get in the game. So check it out. All right. Well, hey, if you want to get in touch with us, you can go to buildingthegamepodcast.com. You can email us at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and uh, Twitter or Facebook, whatever. But on Twitter specifically, we're at Podcast BTG, at J.A. Slingerland, and at HuNasaru. Is that right? Did I say it right? Yes. Ah, look yes. at me! Oh my goodness! Uh, I know. I know. I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you can also find us on all of the different places where lovely podcasts are shared. And until next time, a good night.
1: Buenas noches. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends.
0: Dial seven seven zero. Tell BTG. Please don't use the email.